A reading from the prophet of the book, Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Set out for the great city of Nineveh, and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk announcing, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them, and he did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your love are from old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice, and he teaches the humble his way. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them, those weeping as not weeping, those rejoicing as not rejoicing, those buying as not owning, those using the world as not using it fully. For the world is in present form, is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord. 
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, you O Lord. Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Today is a very interesting day. It's interesting because we are invited, the Church Universal today, to once again devote ourselves to the importance of sacred scripture, National International Bible Study Day. And in honor of that, I bring forth two props. The audio will be supplied by me. The props will be supplied by this. This is a copy of the Bible. And this, surprisingly, is a empty carton a pack of cigarettes. My goodness, what does the Bible have to do with cigarettes? Well, on a cigarette box contains the following. Surgeon General's warning, cigarette smoking contains carbon monoxide. In other words, it's not good for you. It's dangerous. Many people, especially Catholics, have believed for the longest time that this should have had one of these on it. Danger, handle with extreme care and caution. It could be dangerous. It could be dangerous to your comfortability. It could be danger to your smugness and self-righteousness 
your self-satisfaction. You said, well, I thought, I thought the Bible was about comforting people. It is, but there also is contained in here passages which troubles the comfortable. And therefore, we as Catholics for the longest time tended to shy away from this. This belonged to the Protestants. We Catholics, we had the Mass. And so there was a tremendous gap between the altar and the pulpit. This was kind of a preliminary for the main event over there. Rather than a bridge, it was more of a moat, if not a deep gully, separating the two. The Second Vatican Council did a magnificent, magnificent service to the church, really an inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Pope uh, John XXIII. In its document on divine revelation, Dei Verbum, divine revelation, it specifically gives a ringing endorsement for Catholics to take up the Bible, to open and to study the Bible. The words of St. Augustine that he received in a vision that he had from an angel and he was told, take and read, take and read. And during the last few decades, one of the great post-Vatican II contributions has been the tremendous interest in sacred scripture on the part of Catholics. Sacred scripture on the part of Catholics. And there has been a kind of cornucopia of studies, seminars, Bible studies in parishes, various resources coming out in order to once again show that there is an intimate one connection between the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. There is one liturgy. There's one liturgy. They're not in competition this is not the preliminary on the way to the main event. It is a complementary connectedness in which one divine worship of Almighty God takes place. And the scriptures, the Bible, we were invited by the Second Vatican Council. And subsequently, many, many Catholics have embraced that and have been enriched by that, and have enriched others with understanding the scripture. There's a tremendous fascination with the scriptures. What does it mean? For when we open the scriptures and begin to delve into it, we see that the scriptures is really a series of books to be read as one, because the word Bible Greek biblos, often you see it translated as the book. That's, right. That's not accurate. It's books in the plural, but it forms one book because it must be read as a whole. The Old Testament, 
the Hebrew Scriptures, serves as a prophecy for what will take place in the New Testament, and the New Testament is the definitive interpretation and fulfillment of the Old Testament. You remember, you remember the story right after Easter when the two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and a stranger appears in their midst. They don't recognize him. And as they're walking and talking, they invite him to stay. And Jesus asks them, why are they so depressed, forlorn? And, Jesus, and they say, are you the only person who's not heard what's happened? We placed everything, all our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our beliefs in this Jesus. We thought he was the one. But he was put to death upon a cross. And no one has seen him for the last three days. And Jesus says, how slow you are to believe and to understand. And what does Jesus do? He begins with Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and explains to them how it has been fulfilled. It's fulfilled in the stranger in their midst. Jesus explains himself and what has happened in light of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is not obsolete. It's not irrelevant. As this is no more a preliminary for that. The Old Testament is not a preliminary, a throwaway. Let's, let's just get right to the New Testament, find out about Jesus. It requires both in the one book, the one revealed word of God. As St. Augustine tells us, the Bible is God speaking to us. Our study and prayer of the Scriptures is our speaking to God. It's a conversation. And the Bible, the Bible is not a weapon. Some people think it's a weapon. They go through the Bible and find a proof text, whatever that means, in order to prove or get across their point, usually some moral lesson, and they quote the scriptures, and so on. It's not a weapon. It must be read in its whole and entire understanding of scripture as a whole. And this, this book, this library of books that form one book is really God's love story. God's love story for us and our response in varying degrees to that divine love. The ups and downs, the goods, the bads, the crosses, the crowns, the deaths and resurrections. But the needle and thread that ties the book together is the story of God's unbounded love for us. God wanting to be loved by us. And God reveals himself 
that we may know him. He's not a God who plays hide and seek. Catch me if you can. God is the God who knocks at the door of our heart that only we can open up. It is a door that can only be opened from the inside. For God does not kick, kick down the door. He does not come in with a battering ram because then we would cease to be human because then our freedom would be gone. And if our freedom is gone, we are no longer human. We're something, we're robotic. And God did not create robots. We have, by the gift of God, the very power to tell God, no, thank you, I'm not interested. Mind your business, I'll take care of myself. And so sin is the rejection of God and hell is the absence of God. Hell is the complete absence of Almighty God. It is nothingness. It is nothingness. And in that nothingness, we experience that tremendous pain and loss of who we are and whose we are. And so, St. Jerome, the great patron of biblical scholars, says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Jesus Christ. If you want to know Christ, you must know the word. And how do we do that? Just bear with me a moment. I would like to suggest to you that what we do is first of all, we acquire a Catholic version, Catholic translation of the Bible. The New American Bible, the St. Joseph edition, revised. It's a wonderful resource. It's in the back of your church. They're available. They're available over in the rectory. And they have in there very fine fine presentations explaining each of the books, giving the archaeology, the history, the background, maps, diagrams, as a study guide to your own, and get those resources to help you to understand the scriptures, to understand the Word of God. And if you have the opportunity, and you have more and more opportunities now here at your parish, for Bible study, the opportunity to study the Word of God, there's going to be a six presentations on the six weeks of Lent coming up, uh, dealing with the death and resurrection of Christ from the standpoint of sacred scripture that's found in the four Gospels. We had one for pre-Lent and Lent. And we're going to embark on a year-long study of the Catholic faith through the scriptures and through the Catholic catechism that will take place a year-long program. 
So we're trying to make the Bible, the Bible, more relevant and meaningful in terms of your own spiritual journey and response to God's love. And daily, we are invited to take part in what's called traditionally the Lexio Divium, sacred reading. And it begins with opening your Bible, and I would suggest to you that you begin with the New Testament, begin with the Gospel of St. Mark, the first Gospel written, first Gospel written, and then proceed to Matthew and then Luke, and culminating with the magnificent Gospel, the height of the Gospel, the Gospel of St. John. And take a passage. Begins with understanding that passage, selecting the passion, the passage, getting the passage, and reading it. And reading it with your resources to understand it. Faith seeking understanding, to understand the word. And that understanding is to immerse yourself in the world of the writer. Not to bring the 21st century back into the first century. That's the fallacy of presentism. To stand in the 21st century and judge what took place centuries or millennia ago and say, my goodness, how could those fools have done that? For the same reason that if there is any more centuries here on earth, we are going to take the place of those fools in the first century by those who are in the 24th century and say, how could they have been so stupid as to do that? You know, it's like going to a dance, huh? You dance with the one would bring you. And so you work with what you have. But to immerse yourself in that world, to shut out all of this, computers, cell phones, God knows what else, and enter that world, you meet in Scripture on its own terms. The integrity of the Scripture, that's respectful. Not to explain it in light of our understanding, but to understand it in light of how they understood it. It's a tremendous adventure. It opens up new worlds for us. And then, after we have that selection and that reading, we then uh, meditate on it. Because you see, what St. Augustine said is true. So many things. The Bible is that beauty ever old and ever new. It's ever old. It's from the beginning. And it's ever new. Because it speaks to the church. The church is the subject of the Bible. It's addressed to you individually, but also as church. And we must always read the scriptures in light of the church. Otherwise, what happens is, I tend to develop my own church. I become my own pope. And everybody runs off with their own interpretation, their own understanding. And then what you have is not church. You have a bunch of individuals 
all saying, this is what it means to me, so that's what it must mean. That's what it means to you, good, good luck, take yours. Well, you don't have a communio, you don't have a community. You have a collection of, even a collection, of disparate individuals. We only understand it in light of the mind of the church. And we immerse ourselves in that. So we understand it. We, uh, we meditate on it. What is the Lord saying to me? What is the Lord calling me to? And then we contemplate. What is the Lord calling me to convert and to change in my life? To improve, to make better. That's the uncomfortable part. But that's essential to our fruitful study of sacred scripture. Now, I'm almost finished, so hang in there with me. Um, I'm going to use a bad four-letter word, so you may want to button down. The bad four-letter word is the word work, W-O-R-K. It requires you loving yourself enough to give yourself one of the most precious things you have, not your wallet, none of that stuff. That's your time, because it's finite here on earth. Love yourself enough to give yourself the time to inquire, silence, love yourself enough to spend a few minutes each day with the word of the Lord addressed to you. Some people would never think of leaving their house with that cell phone. They, they wake up with the thing to find out who called them, who texted them, whatever that means, uh, and so on. Yet here is the word of God speaking to us every day. And often it goes unanswered. Often it puts on later, as if there is some later and more convenient hour. The Lord is addressing us every day in his word. And to spend a few minutes in that passage, what is the Lord speaking to me in light of my being part of the church? So many people don't love themselves enough to do that. They're too busy with other things. What is more busy? What is more important than the final destination of your immortal soul and of being in conversation with God? That's a phone call you would never drop. If you knew that God was calling you on your cell phone, it would never drop. You would make sure you had 5G on steroids, whatever that means. No idea what 5G is. Sometimes somebody in California asked me once about megabytes. I said, I'm from Louisiana. I only know mosquito bites. <laughs> I don't know anything about megabytes. Well, whatever that is, you all know what that is. Anyway, megabytes and all that. If we got that telephone call, would you really put later, drop? No, you wouldn't. You definitely would not. Every day. 
the Lord calls us and invites us to conversation. Because God loves us. And God wants our love in return. Freely given. Freely desired. Not forced. Not compelled. Because love that is forced is not love. It's coercion. And each day the Lord speaks to us through his divine word. And when we take that time to do that, we find that the other things in our life gain a tremendous perspective. A tremendous perspective. So many, so many of our problems come from a loss of perspective. They seem so large and so important and so big. But are they the things that really matter? We have to decide that and determine that for ourselves. For where we spend that precious gift of time. And the Lord, the Lord asks of us, never forces us, to love him enough and to love ourselves enough to spend some time with the Lord. So, the more we do, it's a beautiful little passage, and I'll end with this. It's in the book of Genesis. And the book of Genesis tells us right in the beginning that the intimacy between God and Adam and Eve was so close and so wonderful that they frequently walked with one another in the cool breeze of the day in the garden. And after they disobeyed, the Lord calls to Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you. And Adam is hiding with Eve. And the Lord says, where were you? I, call, I was calling you. And they said, we hid, for we are naked. They lost that intimacy. In reading the scripture, we don't return to Eden and walk back then. But what we do is far better. When we love ourselves enough to spend a few minutes with God, once again, in the garden of our daily lives, we walk with the Lord in the heat of the cold, the rain of the sun, the cross of the crown, we walk with the Lord because God loves us and wants to speak to us. And the Lord waits for us. The Lord waits for us. In the words of Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The Lord speaks. May each day in the Holy Spirit we listen and walk with the Lord in the coolness and richness of God's gift of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.